Alright, welcome back to the Slim and Slam podcast. I promise I remembered to record audio the first time. I'm sure Slim. you did. Joining me is Slam, and he's going to make fun of me for the next 10 minutes, probably. I am going to make fun of you, because I did a whole bit about Budget Bane last week, I know. and now it's gone. I know, man. Look, I tried. It's not every day that we do this, you know? I. It's not like we've done six episodes or anything. You, you would think I'd be a professional by now. You'd think I'd remember how many episodes we recorded, because somebody asked me about it uh, earlier this week. I thought we were on nine. Uh, no. Boy, time is weird. Yeah, not quite. We're on episode seven, for those of you listening at home, and if you haven't listened to one through six, take a step back, go watch those first, then meet us back here for this episode here. Slam? Yes. I've got a heck of an episode for us today. Alright, hit I, me with it. I know you're a big sports guy. A lot of sports. Oh yeah, all the uh, the footballs and the, the hockey goals yes. that one can dream of. Score, score a lot of touchdowns and your home runs and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of Canadians and Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Well, we're stepping on a line with the Canadians there, bro. What? I like hockey, so... Alright, Okay, so today we're going to talk about a bunch of sports. It's going to be the sports episode, Big Sports Time. All right. So I'm sharing my screen with you here as we uh, as we go through this podcast. Um, I see this. I'm we're going to look at a couple. Yeah, we're going to look at a couple different things. Don't worry about the map right now. We'll get back to that in a second. All right. So everybody's got their conventional football, baseball, basketball, hockey, uh, soccer. If you're from the states, and football if you're from a heathen country. Okay, now we're <laughs> stepping on a line. Um, but uh, I'm going to bring bring to light here some sports that are maybe not quite as recognized. Okay. And we're going to start with this one. Shovel racing? Yeah. There's so, a Wikipedia page for this. This is not a reliable source. It's a guy. real sport, I promise. I saw it on the internet. Okay. All right, so basically the concept is shovel racing. And I'll, I'll pop a, a picture up for, uh, for those of you watching on YouTube. Uh, it's like toboggan racing, but on a shovel instead of a sled. All right. That's it. That's the whole sport. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> there's no points. There's no teams. You get on a shovel, you go down a hill. I'm looking at this Wikipedia picture, and I'm pretty sure this is a dude that I'm looking at. That's going to hurt if he smacks into something at the end. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking they probably have some stop capability. Uh... He you know. has that thing straddled like a champ. Yeah. So, for, uh, for reference, for audio vis- uh, listeners, we have a we have a picture of a guy with a racing number on his chest, wearing a helmet, uh, decked out in snow gear, and he's sitting on a shovel with the handle of the shovel between his legs. So maybe he could use that handle for steering. I'm not sure. But what what Sam is referring to is when he hits the end of the track, and there's probably hay bales there to stop him. He's gonna catch a handle to, handle to the groin. <laughs> the Wikipedia says the top speed of elite shovel racers because there is an elite status for shovel racing. Uh, the top speed of elite shovel racers can range up to 70 miles an hour. 70 miles an hour and a potential of getting a shovel straight to the nads. Now that's pod racing. I mean shovel racing. <laughs> now that's pod racing. Uh, for, for reference, we just uh, we did our first watch through of the prequels with, with Slam uh, last weekend as a group. Slam has never seen the Star Wars movies. Uh, so when we get through them all, we'll do a podcast on that. We'll see what he thinks. But okay. there's going to be a lot of, like, Phantom Menace era references probably because it's fresh on the mind. That's one of them. But, you know, I thought I'd start a simple 
A uh, nice simple sport, not a lot of rules we gotta learn, but that's shovel racing, okay? Okay, does it say by chance where this is most popular? Like, this seems like it was dreamed up by rednecks somewhere in the U.S. There's obviously snow, so it had to be somewhere northern. Alright, so here's the, here's the crazy thing, okay? Competitive shovel racing, as we know it today, of course, uh, has its roots, roots in New Mexico's ski resorts in the 70s. Creator Damien DeLeon has un has been unofficially credited as the, quote, king of shovel racing. It began after <laughs> ski resort workers used shovels as sleds to quickly move from one location to the other. The shovel racer typically races on a basic snow shovel. Competitors gener generally wax the underside of the shovel to increase its speed. All right. <laughs> New Mexico is not the... Not the first place that I would have guessed in the 70s. I mean, I guess people were pretty bored in the 70s. Hey, the world's most extreme but... sports have the unlikeliest of origins. <laughs> I suppose so. Um, Got anything more on shovel racing? Yeah, or... just the last fun fact here. It was once an event in the Winter X Games, but it was removed due to safety concerns. Oh, <laughs> really? Probably something to do with that whole handle between the legs thing. That's what I'm thinking, and if it's too extreme for the X Games, then I mean... Then it's too extreme for everybody but just the most extreme people. Too extreme for everybody except the uh, the people of New Mexico in the 70s. <laughs> Apparently. A lot of weed probably going on down there. Is that All a right. thing in the 70s? I thought it was more... Well, like LSD 70s right after Vietnam and, and stuff. Like, like right after Vietnam and stuff was kind of, you know, like stereotypically I think we got into marijuana. Fair enough. So probably right around that era. And I would imagine, you know, New Mexico, neighbor to California. Makes <laughs> sense to me. Well, it's not actually. It's a neighbor to Texas. I was getting it in it and Arizona mixed up, so. Ah, uh, gotcha. So that's shovel racing. I figured I'd start the bar pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll go on uh, to the... I can't wait to see what else we have. <laughs> so go on to the next one here. And this is one I actually watched on TV growing up, okay? All right. To tell you what, how great of a sport this used to be, it was on Cartoon Network. It was on Cartoon Network? Yep, I'm talking about Slam Ball, baby, the best sport in all sports. The heck is Slam Ball? Is this just basketball? All right, it's basketball, but on trampolines. No way. Yeah. Um, so the, the coolest thing about Slam Ball, it was full contact. So you could, like, football tackle people in midair while they were trying to dunk off a trampoline into a hoop. And this was on Cartoon Network? Yeah, it was sick, dude. What? <laughs> oh my gosh. It was a bunch of guys who would have never made it in any professional basketball scene. Um, <laughs> and then they were like, what if all those guys could dunk? And boom, slam ball. Damn, and it's named after me. It, it is. The, the true this slam is, ball. This is definitely the coolest sport that I've seen so far. Granted, shovel racing pretty all right however i'm giving it minus five points out of a possible two because it i don't want to get hit in the nads <laughs> fair so so slam ball the court was basically a basketball court but instead of hardwood floor it was trampolines everywhere except the middle of the court so you had trampolines inside the three-point arc for either side and then the hardwood in between um i don't remember if you had to dribble it or not uh, but there was a lot of weird rules surrounding the trampolines, and I think you got more points for dunking than you did shooting. <laughs> All right. Um, it was it was popular over in like China and stuff like that because you know dunking is not a thing you typically see out of a nation whose average height is five eight. 
Hey, listen here, buddy. I, I got nothing, actually. I'm All right. short. All right. Like, <laughs> listen to these team names, okay? You had the Rumble, the Diablos, <laughs> the Bouncers, the Steel, singular, singular Steel. Uh, just one Steel. <laughs> exactly, just a single one. Mob. Okay. And Slashers. Man, these guys were really, really creative when coming up with these team names. <laughs> so, what year was that? So this was, uh, so Slam Ball originated in 2002 uh, as a professional sport anyway. Um, and I think it went all the way through 2013 uh, with seasons coming on and off, stuff like that. Um, okay. The uh, preliminary seasons that I remember, sorry, not the preliminary, but the the primary seasons that I remember are like 2007-8 era is when it was on Cartoon Network. Huh. Alright. I can't believe I didn't see this. You'd think... I mean, Cartoon Network was a big part of my childhood. Yeah. So... And like, they, they were supposed to wear helmets and stuff like that, and they just didn't. <laughs> like, there was an official uniform that was like pads and a helmet and stuff like that, and then nobody wore them. This is why it was great to grow up when we did. We may be the forgotten people, but we get, we got Slam Ball exactly. to add to our name. <laughs> the positions of Slam Ball, you had Handler. He was the guy who'd like pass the ball to other people. Um, the Gunner, uh, the guy who would shoot um, and go dunk and stuff. That was his thing. Uh, and then the Stopper was a guy whose only job was to tackle people. <laughs> sick it was a sick sport man so I, i'm raising the bar above shovel shovel racing just a little bit but don't worry is, we're not done this is getting a i'm gonna go with a five out of possible two right now a five out of two that's fair yep all right so we'll move on to the next sport then okay this is a personal favorite of mine because it's one of the funniest things to ever be seen played in my opinion we're um, talking about underwater hockey right now let me give you a background on underwater hockey then i'll kind of describe to you what it is to be seen played okay all right so this is from the cmas website whatever that means there's some scuba diving stuff and some (laughs) other things on this site but it has a a history of underwater hockey so uh the british navy invented underwater hockey in the 50s to keep their divers fit the game came to Australia shortly after and has evolved into a fast, dynamic sport played in more than 20 countries. Uh, it consists okay. of 15-minute halves and 3-minute halftime. Each team is allowed one 60-second timeout. None of that matters. Each side has 12 players. 12? 24 guys in a pool. Well, 20 guys in a pool. I think you get two subs. Okay, so... Um, so Still, you, though. Yeah, so realistically, you have six guys in a, in a pool, and then four guys kind of, like, dive in and out based on who gets tired, whatever. Um, huh. And they All wear right. full scuba gear outside of, like, the wetsuit and the snor- uh, and the oxygen tank. They got a diving mask, snorkel, um, a big, like, glove, uh, <laughs> and, and, like, flipper fins, okay? Okay, so at least you can move faster, and they got a baseball mitt to... Yeah catch the puck what if the like how fast can you actually get up i assume it's an actual puck right yeah it's an actual puck and they they've got these like little like hand sticks that are like boomerang sized that they take down to the pool with them to, to whack the puck with i imagine it doesn't go very fast i was gonna say like i mean water is very 
resistant <laughs> to, to anything trying to go through it. So, I mean, how fast can you actually get it? I guess that's why you need 20 people in a pool. You can literally just pass it the two inches to your right and then so, score it. So have you ever Somehow. been you ever been to like the the public pool and you see those kids with like the diving toys or like the like the sticks that you throw and they go to the bottom of the water and all the kids jump in and try to dive for it? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what this sport looks like. The bunch of guys flopping around in the middle of a pool. You get the hopes nobody's above you when you gotta come up for air. Uh, it, it looks like a giant just cluster of dudes entangled in the in the water. <laughs> and then the, the cameras for this, they're like at the bottom of the water. So you can't see all the way across the court even though it's a clear pool because water distorts the image that much. So right. you got to kind of like, they kind of like pan between the cameras to see what's going on, even with the clear pool. It's just not a very good watching experience, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's very funny. Uh, but I, I see I, that. I've, <laughs> I, I've got some underwater hockey highlights going on right now oh, yeah. did this, you find some this is uh oh my this is something it's it's like a school of fish literally dude oh my goodness and like you're supposed to have positions and like rotate and stuff like that and it never is that way it's just nine dudes on a puck I, that, that's all this is it's nine dudes going down <laughs> all just running into each other. This is ridiculous. They're headbutting each other, just smacking each other with sticks. It's the cool. It's cool version of water polo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. This is definitely something I'm gonna be watching more often, <laughs> just because So, if you have more uh, questions at home about the fantastic sport of underwater hockey, you can contact Jose Jiao who's the world director, apparently, according to this website. This phone number is 351-967-359-536. So if you got more questions, give him a call. Ask him all about the great world of underwater hockey. Uh, maybe we <laughs> could get him to sponsor us. Maybe. All right, well, that being said... To get a Slim and Slam casting some underwater hockey. Oh, you know, that would be the dream, bro. I've always wanted to be an underwater hockey caster. Wait, and before we go, because I'm looking at this... And the general population of this, it's all, at least in this one, this is Turkey and Great Britain. They're all very pale. And how do you even tell them apart? How do you tell teams apart aside from what they're wearing? Uh, I imagine the, the, the swim caps are the way you do it. Oh, yeah, I suppose so. It's very... It differentiates in color very well, actually, now that I look back at this. Yeah, otherwise... So, yeah, maybe, that would make sense, but... <laughs> maybe different colored Speedos, and you just gotta figure out what team that guy's on by the color of his schlong cover. <laughs> Watching grown men swim around in a pool with, like, tiny sticks. <laughs> I don't know, there's just something about it. It's a great sport, man. Makes you laugh. That's right. pretty good. Well, with that being said, we've reached the 15-minute mark. We're going to jump to a quick break, and we'll see you back afterwards. See you then. This episode of the Slim and Slam podcast is dedicated in support of Ukrainian individuals who are affected by the Russian invasion. One of the things we'd like to bring forward in front of you now is an ability to donate to individuals in need coming from Ukraine. I have a link for you here. It's from Caritas Ukraine. It's an organization that deals with youth ministry and 
organizations such as schools um, it takes care of their education health care that sort of thing the link to the site is c-a-r-i-t-a-s dot u-a now be warned it is in full ukrainian um, but we have some personal friends who happen to be ukrainian that provided the site to us and say it's a good place to donate to and they trust the source you got to be careful where you're sending things these days so thoughts and prayers towards those in ukraine and let's get back to the show all right folks welcome back and if you thought underwater hockey was the king of weird sports behold we have two more sports potentially three to go to depending on time frame and need slam how do you feel about the sports so far do you feel sported out i i'm interested to see what you have because if these keep getting even greater oh man this is this is quite the show i'm enjoying this so very much Okay, so and for reference, for those of you watching the YouTube video, I will post links to examples of these sports in the description just so you guys can go watch them because it's a blast to see some of these things in action. If you're listening as an audio listener on Spotify, feel free to check out the YouTube channel as well uh, and get those description links there as well so you can go see these sports. But we'll probably do a follow-up video at some point of us watching said sports and post it to our YouTube channel because it's a lot of fun. I definitely would recommend everybody coming and checking out the link for underwater hockey at least thus far because I looked up the highlights and boy is it a treat. Slam's found a newfound love for hockey under the sea. Absolutely. Well, under the pool. Which is, <laughs> but... Under the pool. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. The next one I've got for you, it's one of my personal favorites. All-time top five sports. Hold on, I got it. <coughs> ah delicious i know exactly right okay so this this sport top five of my my all-time top list of sports that exist this is medieval team combat fighting and i think we've seen this before i think you and i have i'm pretty sure we watched this back in college at some point or another i definitely remember viewing people in heavy armor hitting each other with weapons yeah so i discovered this back in college and this thing is so freaking awesome okay so the the organization that puts this on is the international medieval combat federation the imcf uh they're a global historical full contact sport movement uh in which combatants use historically accurate reproduction armor and blunted weapons to engage in competitive fights according to authentic historical tournament rules that is not really what they do, but, you know, good for them for saying that. <laughs> the way this works, Kate, is there are teams based on your country, and this is from the organizer Battle of Nations. So if you want to check it out, YouTube, search Battle of Nations to go watch it, okay? Um, but basically, all these people from their different countries show up, and they've got full suits of armor, like the heaviest knight suits you could think of, and they're painted like the, the state's ones are stars and stripes. Um, like Spain was there and they had, you know, all kinds of countries got their flags painted on their armor. And there's different levels of competition uh, based on team size. So there was a 3v3, a 5v5, a 10v10, and then I think there was one that was like 25v25. And the objective... Jeez, I didn't... Go ahead. Oh, I didn't know that they went all the way up to 25v25. I think we only watched a few people go at it. Yeah, we, I think we watched the 5v5, but... There is, there is one where just the, the hordes of people just go at it. And it, it's not always two teams. Sometimes it's like three or four teams going at the same time. 
but the objective of the game is to knock your combat your opposing excuse me is to knock your opposing combatant to the ground it is not like i hit your arm or oh, your arms off you know it's like literally whatever it takes to pummel your your opponent to the ground wins so like you could run swords but everybody runs like halberds and the idea is just to swing it like a baseball bat as hard as you can at this man in a tin can suit and put him on the ground it's freaking awesome <laughs> i wish we had that closer to us i'd love to go and see this in person so and there's like refs and all that but none of it matters you get 10 sweaty dudes go pummel each other in tin can suits and it's awesome Oh, I really want to go and see this in real life. This might be a vacation plan. I mean, like, realistically, dude, none of these guys know anything about fighting with swords or using shields. Like, there are guys who use shields as a battering ram. Well, yeah. But, I mean, you're. it's more fun to just watch guys that don't know what they're doing. Bunch of jacked dudes in suits of armor. Not even jacked, but enough to lift a heavy-ass weapon, and smack it into somebody else that's wearing a tin can for a suit. Well, the, the crazy thing about it is those suits of armor weigh like 20 to 30 pounds minimum. Uh, right. They're heavy as hell. And if you get knocked off balance, you're just done. And good luck getting up off the ground, dude. Like, they're heavy, and now you're, you're flat. Probably have giant-ass cranes to lift everybody back up and get out of there. I don't know. I, we didn't see that part. But yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, so that's up there. Like I said, one of my favorite combat sports. Wouldn't it be even greater if you... Because we're getting into... I mean, we're already technological... Uh, we have a lot of technology. Jeez. Um, but it's to the point where there's... I don't know what to call it. Like... Uh, bionicle arms i would say or, or robotic arms and stuff to advance your ability like your normal muscle abilities like wouldn't that be cool to see that in here even just a 1v1 where you're you stronger trying, and you can pick yourself up off the ground are you trying to do cyber gladiators absolutely <laughs> Right, Who so wouldn't this, want to see that? This circles back to my initial argument, okay? Um, okay? About sports in general. Anytime we talk about sports, I bring this up. If steroids are available to everybody, we would have better sports. This is true. Don't don't make them illegal. Let, let dudes who want to be really jacked be really jacked. If everybody's on roids, it levels the playing field between athletes, but also... Everybody is the most they can be. Like, if you're roided out, I expect top performance. Absolutely. Like, I want to see a football chucked across the entire field. Exactly. Let, let me <laughs> pop some guy's literal skull off when I tackle him, you know? That might be a little bit overboard, and that's right, where right, I get revoked, bad. but just <laughs> I, below that. Yeah, right. I want to dislocate his head from his shoulders. <laughs> But even then, the steroids would be too strong, so you need twice the force. Right. So, again, it wouldn't happen, because everybody's roided, you know? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, are we ready to move on to the, the last sport? I suppose so. Oh, man, but... Medieval combat. It's up there. Especially since we've already seen it once before. It is a blast, man. It's a blast. Alright, so here it is. The creme de la creme. Greatest sport of all sports. Never seen before. Uh, on this podcast, I present to you the MLQ 
the Major League Quidditch. So, for those Quidditch. of you who don't know, Quidditch is the sport played in the fictional world uh, that takes place in the books of Harry Potter. It is played on magical broomsticks that fly in the air and uh, uses enchanted balls that fly on their own uh, to play the game. It's got like three hoops on each side of a soccer pitch that are like 150 feet in the air and you throw these balls through the hoops and there's also a tiny ball that has wings and if you catch the tiny ball, you win the game. Well, right. so you don't win the I game, to... the game technically ends when you catch the snitch, and it's worth 150 points, so you almost always win the game. But the game doesn't end, there's no time limit, until you catch the little golden ball with wings. Alright. Feel like well, we got it? I, I have to know, though, because as far as I know, in my short 23 years on this rock, I'm pretty sure that flying brooms and flying balls don't exist. You would be right. So how good can this Quidditch really be? I get that it's in the Major League, but... Alright, well let me paint a picture for you. Okay, let me paint a picture. Imagine instead of flying broomsticks, we had not even broom, just regular stick. Okay. Between the legs, no flying. That sounds pretty, uh pretty boring and like a giant disappointment all right i can tell i've got your attention now i can tell we're excited okay so that's that's <laughs> the, the the broom part all right moving on all right so imagine instead of a ball that flies it's just a soccer ball that's this is just soccer but for kids that played on the uh the stick ponies when they were younger all right all right so we're excited is what you're telling me <laughs> I'm slowly getting less and less excited about this. This sounds, uh... I'll just let you go on, because I'm going to keep ragging on this thing. All right, all right, that's fair. Well, let's say, okay, you know, I said the thing about the post 150 feet in the air. That's pretty cool, right? But how are they going to do that? Well, imagine if we put the hoops on the ground. Is that... We're peaking this into is this getting, You know... I feel like we hit our peak with the medieval combat. <laughs> yeah. This is starting to so, to get worse and worse. Yeah, so basically this is a bunch of nerds who found a soccer field open on a Sunday afternoon and a bunch of sticks on the ground and were like, yo, you know what we could do? Make a professional league where people play Quidditch. <laughs> this sounds like a bunch of people that really loved the Harry Potter books and movies growing up and... <laughs> You're like, oh, we can make this really good. And somehow it got all the way to a major league sport. And I'm looking at this map, and there's a lot more states where this is an actual thing than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. So I'll run. I'll do the rundown of the map here. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go through it piece by piece. But this is what, you know, in all, you know, I guess what, what appears to be a completely functional professional league where people play the game of Quidditch. So there are teams in Kansas City. Austin, San Antonio, League City? That's got to be, like, a region, I assume. I, I guess so. I have never heard of League City, Texas. Unsure. Uh, New Orleans, Charlotte, Washington, New York, Boston, Ottawa, Rochester, Toronto, Cleveland, Detroit, Indianapolis, and Minneapolis. So why not too far from home? We could potentially go to a home game. <laughs> I think I'd rather go and see the medieval combat if I'm being truthful. Yeah, that's fair. So I think um, I could stick with the live stream on this one. So this is the uh, this is the about page. I'm just gonna read a little bit here, and we can we can go into some of the media pictures and stuff like that, and try to discern some of the finer details. Cause I actually don't know how they do the snitch. 
but so Major League Quidditch is a national league that runs from June 1st to August 30th. The majority of seasonal activity takes place between June 1st and July 31st. Our aim at MLQ is to present Quidditch in an elegant, highly consumable form that mirrors other sports top leagues. It features standardized scheduling, high-level officiating, in-depth statistics, and live and recorded footage of all games. Our league is home to 15 franchise and one trial expansion team from the United States and Canada. These teams are divided up geographically into three divisions, North, South, and East. Every team plays against every other team in its division. All regular season games will be completed by the first weekend of August, and then they have a postseason where the winner walks away with the title of the Benepi Cup champion. The Benepi Cup champion. Benepi I gotta... <laughs> again, I'm looking at this map, and the fact that they said north, south, and east, did uh, they get laughed out of the west? Or what happened there? <laughs> I'm unsure. This definitely seems like a thing that would start on the east coast. So, yeah, I'm gonna just go with that. Oh, okay, so I figured out how they do the snitch. Okay. The snitch is a person. Okay. Who plays tag for potentially a very long time. Oh, my goodness. What is this, the current business model? I'm seeing... Is this what they're paying the refs? Yeah, so the head ref makes 30 bucks a game. Assistant refs make 10 bucks a game. That's equivalent to about five-year-old soccer. Um... And then the snitch referee, which apparently decides when the snitch is caught, I would assume, uh, gets 10 bucks. So on line with the assistant referee, but their only job is to watch the snitch. Uh, and then, of course, the snitch runner, the person being the snitch, gets paid 15. An extra 5 bucks on top to run for potentially 8 hours. Uh, sounds like it's definitely worth it. Oh, dude. <laughs> we should have definitely done the Medieval Combat one last. <laughs> this is definitely interesting, but it... Uh, so, just, we will definitely watch this uh, for a video, but this is <laughs> quite possibly the nerdiest shit I've ever seen. I mean, good for them. I, I hope that the people get paid for it, but I am <laughs> unsure if that's the case. <laughs> I, I don't know. This would seem like... A club sport that you'd go and do the fact that it's major league it, like it, hold on is it actually major league or is it just called major league i mean they're franchise teams it says you know it seems like How? there's money involved like who who would sponsor this uh now i can answer that oh no there is <laughs> Please tell me we're not a sponsor of this. There is a sponsor page. I'm trying to get to it here. The website's fighting me. Uh, they don't want you to check it up there. Here oh, it is. This is, our, this is our sponsor page. Savage Apparel. Athlete Ally Victory to Unity. Um, Howard County. Maryland. The whole county. And whatever this is. U.S. Quidditch.org. This is a worldwide sport? You're kidding me. No way. No. That's a college. That's another. This is college is playing the game. Oh, no. Uh, so obviously there's a draft of some sort, I would assume, to go from college Quidditch, make it to the big time, and play Major League Quidditch in the league, of course. You know, like that, that LeBron commercial is going around right now where he's like, we're going to the league. That's what kids are doing over at UCLA. You know, the, this is where your Western front comes from, Caleb. This is your... Your UCLA and your your Baylor, um, that's that's West Coast stuff right there. 
Oh my goodness. Like, uh, when you first brought this up, I assumed that this was something that somebody was bored enough and is like, Hey, we could do this once the pandemic ends. But this was going on since before pandemic, man. I know. I I saw before that and I was like, oh. Straight there, this is a bunch of nerds putting this together. Uh, the 2020 I official and sanctioned events may now take place as of today. Apparently, you can do it right now. <laughs> uh, I would assume you probably need to wear a mask to play the sport, but you know that's a given at this point in time. Uh, of course, the eligibility of graduating college seniors is a concern for the uh, U.S. Quidditch organization as a whole. Um, Redshirting is not allowed, obviously. So if you uh, if you have just graduated, not allowed to play. Gotta go straight to the pros. Gotta get put in straight to major league. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not trying to rag on anyone for liking Harry Potter. Personally, I haven't read the books and or seen the movies. Just like I didn't see Star Wars. I I just didn't do it. Growing up in the land of cattle, it wasn't a very common thing to go into. I suppose we could get some reading material, but that's pretty rare too. So... It's, I am just... noticing there's a there's a membership price we have to pay to play in the USQ, which is the collegiate level of Quidditch. How so, much is this membership? Does it say? So team membership is two fifty. It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And that gets you regular season play, a customizable team page on the website, um, advertising in e blasts and social media. And the ability to use the USQ logo and branding on jerseys. Huh. So that was the other thing with these sponsors. Aside from the entire county that we got, I haven't heard of any of those. I don't think before. Yeah, I'm trying to see. Do these? Uh, maybe, maybe they don't. I was trying to see if they had like, uh. A, a partnership page on the USQ, but you know maybe maybe collegiate East uh, Quidditch just hasn't caught on yet. You know, the the pro <laughs> scene started out, and we're still building the the grassroots to to really develop into a, a qualified sport. I am here looking at Savage Apparel at viapparel.co. I don't think this is it. Unfortunate. Well, you know maybe some of those sites have been deprecated, but. To be completely honest, I think we beat Quidditch to death. If it's something you like doing, great. Maybe try basketball. Maybe, maybe <laughs> basketball would be something you could do a little easier than than having to find stick broom team. So, I, or extreme ironing. Or extreme ironing, if you're into that. That is a thing, too. That is apparently a thing. This was quite the list that we went through. <laughs> That being said, folks, I think we're going to end the show here. Thanks for joining us for the episode 7 of the Slim and Slam podcast. Slam, anything to, uh, to close with? I would just like to say underwater hockey right up there with medieval combat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a good rest of your day and enjoy the rest of the week. Have a good one.